Such noble souls are encased in the most unlikely of adventurers. I find that the smaller the man, the more room there is for his heart to overcome. Halflings and Phaedron are known as quick-witted and able-bodied in a variety of numerous, incredible feats. The luckiest people I have ever met have been those halflings from Ashmire to Bitterbrook. Brave souls and full of spirit they are, with a tongue as silver as their coins, and a love for art unparalleled to most. A curious group, the halflings of Phaedron. I have known so little of all of them, but I know so much of just a few. Scattered supplies litter the campsite deep under the canopy of western pines as a small fire spreads dim light throughout this small encampment. We see a tall man, dressed in rugged leathers with a dark shade of stubble, tighten the leather reins of his horse against the sturdy pine to the left of camp. We can hear further past him a babbling brook that graciously flows southward with the forest wind. By the fire we see laid on the top of a log with a warm blanket wrapped around him, a smaller figure, roughly three feet tall if standing. He seems to be struggling to write in a small leather-bound notebook and is ripping the pages out and tossing them into the fire in front of him. We see another figure, taller, but reading by the fire a large tome with archaic markings and sigils as he carefully traces his fingers in polyhedral shapes. The party are found once again together by the fire of their small encampment. It's simply dreadful. I, I can't write something like this. I have no next of kin. It's pointless. Also, it's disgusting that I have to write in the event of my... Death. And all I have to show for who I am and what I have left behind is the smell of smoke and pine on my clothes. You are all my next of kin, if I'm being honest. It's just an orphan of Bitterbrook. I have no parents to write to. I never settled down or had a family. If I did, I certainly wouldn't be in this position in the first place. And I certainly wouldn't have gone on this adventure to fight a fucking dragon. You all lured me into this. So I might as well be writing to the both of you, but the likes of you surviving this as well as me is uh, slim to none, I understand. I guess I'm just lost, and the more I try and pen this parchment, I... I find I have nothing to write about, nor anyone to write to. Am I alone in having this problem? You're not alone. I just don't see the use in writing it. Like you said, we're your next of kin. So it only makes sense that we don't write anything. We know what each other want. If we were to die, what's the point in putting it on paper? Plus, I'm not good with words, obviously. Lorik, please. Tate is trying to be reminiscent and sensitive and explore his feelings with us. Tate, if you want to write something, perhaps write to somebody who you don't have a connection with. Maybe they'll find an interest in your life. 
Well, perhaps nobody will find us after the dragon is done, and at least you got some catharsis out of writing it. It's not catharsis that I'm after. It's simply the fact that we're going to die. Fuck. Are we going to die? I don't know. I'm not a wizard. I can't see into the future. But what we do know is that that dragon is down there. If we don't stop him, he's going to take out the town. So we have to try. But isn't that what we signed up for? Danger around every corner? I get that it's scary, but at the same time, we've faced things before. We've come out on top. Who's to say we can't do that now? So I say we get a nice drink in tonight. And then we go to battle tomorrow. Who's with me? I can go for a drink. I, I, I just... Yeah, Ellis, maybe you're right. Maybe I should write to somebody that probably won't care if they get it or not. I think I might write to somebody that I met in Bespelmore when I went to the college. I, uh, I met her in a tavern. I, I didn't meet her. I, I was adjacent to meeting her. She was meeting other folk from the college, but I saw her and she was, she was radiant, truly. I think I only muttered one sentence and it was only due to the liquid courage that I had. I think if I'll survive, I'll deliver it to her myself. But it's, it's foolish, it's foolish. It's not foolish, Tate. We are lingering on every word about this grand mistress. So I'm going to take a shot, if all of you are willing to join me, and I'm waiting at every single breath to hear you talk about this muse that somehow has escaped you in our entire travels together. So tell us, Tate, the great story of this angelic being. We see Lorik pull out a small bottle with a green tint to it with a darker liquid inside. He pulls the cork from the top and begins to pour into four metal glasses. I thought it'd only be fitting if we pour one for Alderic. Just makes sense. I think he would like that. Yeah. I think he would like it too. All right, bottoms up. Oh, uh, uh, it's bitter. And look, I, I don't even know where to start with this woman. She's beautiful. And it's not like I could just pin something down right now in a matter of minutes and then read it to you. So you are telling me, Tate, that there's no words in the common tongue that can describe a woman from a bar in Bespelmore. I find that highly unlikely. I mean, how illuminating could this woman possibly be? No, you don't understand, Ellis. There are not enough hours in a lifetime to pin stories of her beauty. Her eyes were gleaming with emerald hues as if they were gems from Goldspark's richest vaults. 
Her lips were soft as the silk sheets I still dream for us to be lost within. Every word of loving notion that flowed from her tongue was like honey, and I was bewitched. I thought, let me fall into despair and madness if I am to breathe a moment without her. I thought, how could I survive this long without understanding that every breath I have in my lungs lingers for her cadence? I thought, I am a fool to hope, and yet I can hold nothing else, for my hands will shatter at the weight of letting go. She was the silver twilight that passes just before the dawn, where light is ever reaching for the clouds, and yet darkness slumbers through the morning, and I was all that was beneath her. You mean you want to lay beneath her, right? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, and yes, but it would be impossible. Even if we were the last of Phaedron is all fell to frost and fire, she would mistake me for a stone in the road and cast me to the side, as if to protect carriage wheels with no masters. She would see a ghost before I, and she would embrace it much faster than I could ever hope to be loved by her. You see, now why do you say that? Because I am beneath her. I am the moss in the creek, the stone in the sand buried under the waves. I am a tree in a forest, and she is the sky. I was simple, and I am forgettable, and she keeps the eyes of the bravest men in Phaedron in awe. What hope could I have to think a fool as I could live in the presence of an angel? No. No. Tate Greenhill was meant not to be around Celestials, but to be in the gutter trash of Bitterbrook. The only reason I thought I could ever have a chance was due to a little bit of liquid courage. That's all. And maybe that's all I am. Just a halfling from Bitterbrook. It was never meant to get this far. Why am I not okay with that? Because it's not true. It's just not true, Tate. Look how far you've come. Sure, once you were in the gutter, stuck in Bitterbrook, but you made a name for yourself. You went all the way to Bespelmore for a bard college, top of your class, and now you're here with us. Doing the right thing. Now, Zalnosh the Vile is a beast. But I am lucky to have Tate Greenhill at my side. So here's to liquid courage. Let's hope that this bard from Bitterbrook can see us through to tomorrow's end. <sighs> You're very kind to me, Lorik. I will do everything that I can. You have my word. To liquid courage. And to the end of Zalnosh. To liquid courage, then. And I do say, Tate, that was more eloquent than I thought you would be. And I think if we make it out alive... We should head to Bispelmore so you could tell her yourself. I think if you tell her what you told us, 
she'll think you're an angel. But now, let's get some rest. I looked far and wide for the tales of Zalnosh the Vile, till I came upon a small halfling in Bespelmore, married to a beautiful woman, a half-elf. And he told me the great tales of his adventuring party, the Crimson End. Tate Greenhill was a wonderful halfling, not known from Bitterbrook, but known as the bard who slayed the dragon. All thanks to a little liquid courage. <laughs>